on this week's Kent Non-League Podcast. John was at the Absolute Tunbridge Angels Kent Derby and spoke to James Fox and Jack Paxman about their views on the game and the future of the season ahead. Well, I spoke to Ramsgate chairman James Lawson about the great work they're doing in the community. Well, it's vital. It's actually what we are. We're certainly more a community club than a football club. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only Podcast brought to you in association with SCSA Sports Management. Uh, four interviews for you this week, lots of COVID news and some actual football stuff as well. Uh, so it's a busy, varied and hopefully entertaining show that we've got lined up for you. Let's get the formalities out of the way first as per. So I'm John Phipps, who took us in a cold sweat on November the 25th every single year as it was the date of Hayley's surprise birthday party. And on the line now is a man who phoned me up on Friday and said some very unpleasant things down the phone. Matt Jarrod, how are you doing now? Still haven't got over it, mate. I know. I thought we were going to win. I really did. Did you genuinely think I, we were going to win? I thought, this is, I thought uh, one of the judges retweeted it. So like, oh, we're in here. <laughs> so, no, yeah, I still, yeah, probably when I started, when I realised it was five o'clock and I was on, we were in. I thought, oh, yeah. And I thought, I don't think the results are coming through. And it went through thick. So I was still at work. Saw it coming through. And I thought, we're going to win this. And then we didn't win. So I was a bit disappointed. No, we yeah, we uh, we didn't win. Uh, but again, up against um, ridiculous uh, competition, I don't think we really stood a chance against the likes of uh, BBC South East today, who had a great night. They won what, nine awards, was it, in the end? So well done to them. Uh, and as, as I said on Twitter, uh, thanks to, to Maxim for organising it, because in these challenging times, it was a bit of a, a, bit of a tonic. So uh, well done to them. And I, and I thought it was very well put together. Uh, just a shame, of course. Didn't win, but uh, one of those things. Third time lucky with it? Well, if we get shortlisted again next year, it would be third time we've been shortlisted. So, yeah. Um, Last week's show was really good, I thought. I, yeah, I really enjoyed it, actually. And, uh, you know, I, as I said on Twitter shortly after the show, uh, not that I find people's misery funny, but it was entertaining because of the mood you were in after Dover's performance on Tuesday night. So, you know, more of that, please. Well, obviously not more of Dover losing, I suppose. Yeah, well... Not, well, they won't lose this weekend, will they? No, they, won't. they definitely yeah, won't yeah, lose yeah, on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. So we are, well, they are playing Tuesday, so they probably will lose that. So I will be here next week. Excellent. It's our 147th episode this week. And of course, 147 is the maximum break in snooker. For me, when people say, what takes the most skill to do? A nine dart finish, a hole in one or a 147? I'll go for the 147 every single time. Matt, what are your thoughts on that, firstly? And secondly, what is your highest break at snooker? Um I do like a bit. Of, yeah, I think it's a skill. So people like Ronnie O'Sullivan who can, you know, do all that sort of thing. I think that's quite good. My highest break, because of course, a bit like darts before. If you got, if you on a, on a little table, it's easy, isn't it? But on proper table, it's hard. I think a colour and a black is good. Colour, right. colour, colour, well, a red and a colour. You like jumping, even if it could be three. I'm like yes. So I think I, I think I've got double figures once, but I haven't played snooker for years, so. No, same. I used to play snooker a lot when I was a kid because um, it was just, it was like one thing we could do quite easily. So I'd go over and play at the Savoy Snooker Club in Whitstable. Uh, and I'd, I, I don't I genuinely don't know. Um, but I used to go and play there quite a lot. Um, we even managed to wrangle it so that going and playing snooker was our um, weekly sporting activity uh, when we were at school in sixth form. I don't know how we managed to wrangle that one. Um, but, in a little to get the light on, was it? 
Something like that, yeah. So we used to nip over there and play. And I think one time I got a break in the twenties, about twenty six, twenty seven. Impressive. Um, but I was nowhere. I, I was no discernible talent. I haven't played snooker off for years. It must be since I was at uni, so probably fifteen odd years. It's just it's hard, isn't it? There's, there's a snooker club here, but is I haven't got any mates to go and play with for a kickoff, and it's it's a bit of a commitment and stuff. So, um. You know, to, to join like a, a club or a, an organised league is a massive commitment and I don't have the chance to do that. So, um, yeah, a bit of a shame. But I will say I have seen live a maximum 147 break and that is definitely something that should be on everyone's sporting bucket list. So you've actually... Is it a bit boring watching? Did you have that? You could listen to the commentary, can't you? Did you have that in the years? I didn't have... No, I didn't have that. I went... Because when I was at uni, they had the, uh, the tournament uh, was up in Preston at the Guildhall and we were just i went with a few of my mates from uni uh, all three years i was there actually i went with a few of my mates and i went to the final i think i went to the final all three times actually but the second time was where i saw the 147 by john higgins uh, absolute maximum clearance he had it was one really good bit of fortune that he had in the way and i think a, a black went across the table and and, and in off, off off the jaws but it was just incredible to see you know that is the the ultimate in that sport and to see it happening in front of me was was really special so uh yeah really enjoyed that is it expensive to go and watch snooker is snooker one of these sports that's like 60 quid for a session i don't think it was i mean when i was i mean i was a student so i didn't have lots of disposable income but i remember it was it was quite reasonable and i think t- tickets for the final weren't that dear it was two sessions of the final but it was, yeah, it was just nice. It was a nice, it was a nice thing to do. I, I quite enjoyed it actually. Yeah, I, I, I would go again if it was near me. But it, but it's not, and obviously not allowed spectators at the moment. But let's talk about do, that later okay, on. Do you in like the show. Rocket Ronnie? Yeah, absolutely. What a talent! What a man! What a legend! That he's not afraid to say what he thinks, which I, I, I think is, is, is a great quality in any sportsman. I don't like these boring. Yeah, well, it's great. The gaffer said this interviews. I like the ones that give a bit of honest opinion and, and fair play to Ronnie O'Sullivan. I see he was digging out, as the kids say, digging out. He was digging out Lewis Hamilton one the other day as well. Like, yeah, that's a bit of a... Slated him, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah but uh, yeah, one of those. Anyway, let's start this week's show in the National League South, where it's been a busy week both on and off the pitch. On Saturday, there was a Kent Derby at Ebb Street with Tunbridge Angels with the visitors. Because I genuinely have nothing else to do with my days, and I was asked if I wanted to go, I headed on up to the Cufflink Stadium, as Stonebridge Road is now known. Although my sat-nav did not want to find either the stadium or Ebbsfleet United itself. So uh, I put it in Stonebridge Road and it took me there and I saw the game. Uh, it ended 1-0 to the visitors. Tommy Wood scoring the only goal on the stroke of half-time. I spoke to a player from both sides after the game. So we'll start with Angels defender James Folks, who set up the goal and cleared one off the line. A good day for him. And it goes down to making sure that I was focused as well on my job. Um, I, I, I got a talk from the gaffer and he told me what I what he expects of me and what he expects of all the other boys as well. And I made sure that I was focused to do my job and I tried to do my best also, not just defensively, but going forward to try and provide and help the team like get the goal. And today it was that chance and then I also cleared one off the line. Uh, so all round buzz, <laughs> buzzing, like seriously, yeah. You mentioned the gaffer a couple of times. I heard you talking to Ray Kent about him as well. But obviously, yeah. he's been at the club a long time. There's so much to be said for that stability that he's brought, isn't there? Yeah, uh, I mean, he, again, he's 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 a joy to work with. Um, you know, I don't think there's many players out in in non-league that can say that you know <laughs> that they have that manager that they 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 would love to just stick with 
like throughout their career and I think a lot of the boys in the changing room would agree with me they would they would play under the gaffer like for most years if they could um, he's, he's an honest guy he's loyal uh, and, he's, and he'll, be, he'll be fair as well uh, if you're not playing well you, you, you obviously sit up but when you do get your chance you take it and when you do take it he'll stick by you and it's just fantastic yeah it's, 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 an, it's an honour to play for him to be honest with you um, the away form is, is obviously really good. Is, yeah. is there something in you that thinks, oh, no, it's nice to go and, and upset someone? And what's the yeah. difference between going away to Ebsley today than there would have been last year when there was a full house here? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, as footballers, you want to play in front of fans. Uh, you want to play in front of uh, as many people as you can. That's, your, that's, that's what you dream of, like, especially as, from a young kid. And uh, obviously today we're not playing in front of fans, but we just we didn't let... Like any most games this year, we haven't let that take away our focus. You know, we we come with game plans at the beginning of the game, and we try to execute them. Obviously, sometimes it doesn't go according to plan, uh, which is ex- which is expected. Sometimes you're not going to win every game, but today it went right. Um, so yeah, uh, it's it's fantastic. And like I said before, the next the next step is also improving the home record as well, and and starting to pick up. We've got four game home games in a row now, so it's about getting as many po- accumulating as many points as we can from those home games because uh, that's our that's our home, that's our fortress. You know what I mean? It's and been hard for you, hasn't it? Because obviously you didn't play hardly any games before the season was ended last season mm. at home because you had all, all the pitch problems. Yeah, I think you've only won once in twenty twenty at home. Yeah, uh, at the moment, but that was but you probably only played about six or seven. Yeah, that. so yeah, that, yeah. I suppose it, it must be really tough for you at the moment. Yeah, it has. It, it's like it, it's almost like you can say it's like an away ground for us. At the moment, because we haven't been there much apart from when we when we've gone to train. Um, but yeah, um, again, this is what we say: we have to try and get back into that phase of this is our fortress, this is our home, and team teams are coming to our our territory, and we have to we have to guard it, so to say, like we, you know, like we're the security there, and and just try and pick up the points and that we can. Um, we want to cu- accumulate as much points in general, but if we can. The home is home form is very vital, I think, especially in this this sort of league, um, to pick up as many points as you can at home. Uh, yeah. And just finally, what makes it, what's a good season for Summer Angels? Um, we said we we want to build on last year. Um, I mean, I know we didn't get to finish the the season last year. I think we I think I can't remember fifteenth or yeah we shot up yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but we want we want to better that. Uh, we we looked at trying to finish mid-table but if we can even better that then why not um, we, we always try to set our expectations higher but realistic at the same time um, so yeah anything better than last year would be fantastic yeah Angels will be disappointed though Matt that they couldn't follow up that win against Braintree on Tuesday as we heard there just one win for them at Longmead so far in 2020 in the league and they've got to improve that but first and foremost superb win for them on Saturday yeah, it was a good win on Saturday uh, against Ebsleet. He fancied Ebsleet to get a result there. The way I saw them on the telly the previous week against Chippenham. Uh, again, the concerns that people have had with Ebsleet, that you were there, they play some nice football. Have they got a cutting edge? And once we went behind, did they have any idea to break sides down? But yeah, a good, solid performance from Tunbridge. You know, the way wins they've had this season, you've got to give them maximum respect. They've got, but they've got to sort of look at the home form and you expect them to beat a Braintree side. I know they recently sacked their manager and had a new team, but... Um, really disappointing result from there. Back to Ebsleet though, John. Was it all very nicely, nicely, and no in product? It. Do you know what it was? They were nowhere near as good as they were when I saw them at Eastbourne uh, a couple of weeks ago. I, I, I felt they didn't. 
that they flatter to deceive. And and I said to someone, they just needed a bit of oomph up front. Do you know what I mean? It was just, you kind of looked at, at the time. And, and we did mention when they were building their squad, they needed more strikers. Uh, Bingham's very handy that they've got up there at the moment. But they just need something more. You looked at the bench. They didn't have an out-and-out striker they could chuck on to really get up there. And, you know, they're putting the ball forward. They're getting the ball in and around the box. But they haven't got that cutting edge, that killer pass at times. To be honest, Tunbridge held on fairly comfortably. Yeah, James folks did clear that one off the line. But by and large, was there ever a moment when I thought they were going to score? No, there probably wasn't. And again, I was I was close to uh, the guys from BBC Radio Kent, three of them there. And Charles Webster obviously is the Ebbsfleet commentator. He's an Ebbsfleet United supporter. And he was he said they'd been woeful. And towards the last five minutes, like Matt Cole was trying to G him up and saying, come on, you can surely they can get something. And Charles was just saying, well, what have they shown in the last 85 minutes that's going to suggest they're going to do something now? Um, they had a, say they had a couple of moments, but... It just was lacking something going forward, and and I don't I don't know where that kind of falls into. I think it's almost a little bit difficult because Lee Martin, both games I've seen him, he's played a very fluid role. He, he roams all around, and I sometimes wonder if he needs to just sort of settle it, settle into one position, and and try and find his 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 way of making things happen rather than just roaming around. And I don't know if that spreads back through the team, but but really, really difficult f- for them. Um, they were disappointed. Of course they were. Second defeat for them in in the league so far this season. It was one of those days, as I say. And I spoke to their midfielder, Jack Paxman, who, who you can hear now. Really frustrating one. Um, I think, yeah, you look at the game, we've had 90% possession, loads of chances. They've had one chance and they've come away with uh, with a 1-0 win. Um, yeah, really tough one to take today, but we can we just regroup and uh, all we can do is go up again. Two home games this week, two Kent derbies. You haven't scored. That's got to be a little bit of a concern. It's, it's frustrating. We're not concerned because we're making the chances. Uh, it just comes down to um, you know having that, that desire in both boxes not to concede um, and, and also obviously to score the goals as well. Um, we're definitely not concerned. We're making chances upon chances in, in the majority of the games and uh, um, we know eventually someone's, someone's going to take a thump in. How has it been with the new gaffer coming in from, from Germany with his different ways? Has it, has it been hard trying to get, get that across during this, this start of the season? Um, well, the, the gaffer's very clear in what he wants. Um, the boys have all, all bought into it. Um, obviously, it's taking time because we're a new team. You know, If you look at how many boys were here last year um, to, to what are here this year, there's, a, there's been a lot of changes. So it's, it's, a, it's a process. You know, we're, we're, all, we're all in the process right now, but you know, things are getting there. Obviously, we've not won... Um, the game today but if you look at the way we've played you can see all the steps are, that are being made so um, as I say it just comes down to desire in both boxes and, uh, and we will get there it's, There's massive potential isn't there it's just now you've got to realise it Huge, huge potential the, the squad's really strong obviously it's been a, been a tough week this week um, but the, the, the squad's really strong everyone's pulling in the same direction and, and as I say when we get it right someone's going to get it and you must be hoping that'll be sooner rather than later and then you can just really sort of push on and, and look towards the top of the league because promotion is the aim. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We, we all want to get promoted. There's no secrets about that. Um, we're all pulling in that direction. Um, and as I say, it, it is coming. Hopefully, like you say, sooner rather than later, but it's definitely coming. We'll keep working towards that. You said it's a new team. Mm-hmm. Um, how hard is it when you've got lots of new players coming in all at the same time? And, and how long realistically is it going to take to all gel? I don't think there's a time limit on it. I think it's a continuous process. You just keep, you know, working towards a new stage every week. 
um, it is tough, you know, everyone's got to learn each other's games again, you're basically starting from scratch, but um, I think we've come a long way in a short space of time, um, obviously people don't see the work that goes on behind the scenes, but we're working constantly, working hard constantly to um, to get to where we want to be, um, and we'll just keep pushing for that. You personally, you've been around a few clubs, haven't you, but I mm-hmm. guess you're enjoying the time at Epsilon? Yeah, I'm loving it, um, I love all the boys, um, I want to win for all the boys, I want to win for the gaffer, um, and I, I feel like it's the, it's the same they want to win for me as well, so it's a good group to be involved with. Um, you know, high quality. Everyone's pushing for places. You, you can't you can't take your foot off the pedal at any moment because someone will take your shirt from you. So um, it's a really um, it's a really good group group to be involved with. And just finally, obviously, we know there's a, a much bigger picture. But how much do you and all of your teammates want this place to be full again? Oh, we, we we can't wait. We, we you know we hope it's soon, sooner rather than later. Um, I've obviously played here. For the, uh, for the opponents previously with the fans shouting at me so it'd be nice to have them on my side but yeah honestly all the boys can't wait for it because um, you know we've got some good football to show them It's one of those days today isn't it where if you'd had a full house it might have been a different result because your fans would have got right behind you they'd always be sucking the ball in at the end 12th, 12th man uh, I know it's cliche but it's true you know it gives us that extra kick um, yeah so as I say hopefully it happens sooner rather than later um, but we honestly can't wait to play in front of the fans He's kind of said what, what I've just been saying Matt in, in terms of when it all clicks for them, they're going to be really good. But on Saturday, it just didn't click. Yeah, and a fair play. You're you being a bit, little bit organised about that. And I think you look at Epsilon squad on paper there. Bingham's been from there. They have, how many strikers have they got? Cundall? Are there any more strikers they've got in there? And a guy from Dagenham, and it was Grant. Is he playing? Yeah, he's he's not been there. I don't know if he is uh, injured or, or anything. But no, he he wasn't playing on Saturday. I mean, it was it was it was just really frustrating. I mean, obviously. Um, Things have changed for Fleet since then. Dennis Catree wasn't there on Saturday yeah. as he was self-isolating. Uh, but apparently he was making the substitutions. Uh, it was his decisions. He was watching the stream and, and going. And obviously now uh, there have been positive tests within the squad. Um, their next three fixtures uh, have all been postponed. So we don't know w- whether some of the difficulties they've had in, in getting a strong team out has been because of all that in the first place. But I look at it and I just think they need someone up top who's going to stick the ball in the back of the net regularly. And of course, that's the thing that everybody wants. But if you compare them to, say, Dartford, Dartford, I would say, have got five more prolific strikers on their books at the moment than Ebsfleet have. I was going to say that. Dartford have got more strikers than than anybody at the moment. Chris Dixon coming in, banging to Pavey, Barham, yeah. Remain the, sharing them. Yeah. I'd take any of those five at the moment, stick them up front in that Ebsfleet team and Ebsfleet would be better for it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how they cope with that then, Ebsfleet, if they're looking to think if, if he can bring somebody in from Germany, maybe, or anybody in this level to get the ball in the back. I'm trying to think how many goals they've scored. Again, they didn't score against Maidstone. So maybe it is a concern that they've got all the quality there and the likes of Martin, the likes of Bobby Joe Taylor, who can unlock a defence, but it's just that little bit of extra nous in the box and going back to Dover, that's what Dover need as well. So they're very difficult to find these strikers, but Dartford have clearly got it. Back to Wood though, John, Dover had him on trial. Some people said that Dover should have signed him. What do you think of Wood up top? Very, very handy. Does the job. I thought Tunbridge Angels were so compact and, but they looked to break quickly and, and Wood was a real presence up top. Um, they obviously had, um, Greenhall just in, in in behind, almost sort of making it happen. Turner trying to get forward on the left. Um, they were De Costa on the right. They were just a, a, a solid side, and I thought Wood he, he could probably 
be a menace certainly at, at any level um and he didn't have a lot of service but he was prepared to run the channels get stuck in and and, and make things happen so yeah fair fair play to him um it, uh, I will just... it should go to tunbridge as well you know we've, we've been you know about ebsley's thing at tunbridge have gone there they've gone to billericke they've gone to chelmsford they've gone to ebsley clearly with a game plan and the players you mentioned in there they've got some good players in the squad and it, and it worked for them i presume they're you know Steve McKim probably would have said, right, they're going to come at us, they're going to have the ball, and we've got to make sure we exploit that when they haven't got the ball and press them, etc. And I presume it works. So it's a, it's a good result for Tunbridge. And maybe you see certain sides who can play better away from home when their the ascendancy is not on them. And maybe at home against Braintree, you'd have thought, oh, they're going to go out and win that. And maybe it's a, you sort your tactics out away from them from home, if you know where I'm coming from. And not playing at home for so long, they may be setting a, in a tactic to to hit sides on the counter-attack and soak up that pressure. Well, that's what James Folks said earlier on in the show. He, he said, you know, we, we haven't been at Longmead very much. We need to get a grip of being at Longmead. Um, and, and I suppose that that is the struggle for them. And, but I do find the, the, the fact that we're talking about Tunbridge going there and frustrating a home team, that surely that's a different kettle of fish in an empty stadium than yeah. it would be in a full one. You know, when you can go and, and, and as I said to Jack Paxman as well, you, know, you kind of wish those fans were, if those fans had been there, I don't think Tunbridge Angels would necessarily have won that game because they would have roared them on and really given them some impetus. And I think Ebb United may find when supporters are allowed back in, whenever that may be for uh, in Kent, I think they'll feel a real benefit from it because I think those supporters will really get behind them and really give them a G up. Yeah, when those positions, yeah, it can work both ways. They've probably seen the lovely football they're playing, but in the final third, right. Let's try it a little bit different. Let's try it where we can do it from there. So, interesting that they're, they're free. So, they're not playing for the next, this Saturday and the following Saturday, is it? Three weeks off they've got now, apparently, yeah. All right. All right. I suppose they could come back for the trophy because the games are coming thick and fast in that. So, yeah, hopefully everybody's safe at Ebsleet. So, um, yes, yeah, close, getting closer and closer to home on, on these sort of things. So, hopefully they're okay for them. But good result for Tunbridge. I am at Tunbridge on Saturday against Hemel. So, I would have seen the well, apart from Epsley, well, apart from Epsley on the telly, I would have seen all the um, the National League South side. So uh, I'm looking forward to that one. And hopefully, um, I can be a good luck omen and uh, see them get the uh, uh, three points on Saturday at their home ground. Yeah, absolutely. And and of course, thank you to Epsley for inviting me up there on on Saturday. It was a shame uh, for them that the result wasn't what they wanted, but you know, it's, it's one of those things. And it was it was was an enjoyable thrilling game no it probably wasn't but it was it was an interesting game to watch uh and as we said full credit uh to Tumbridge Angels and Steve McKim because that is an excellent result uh Covid also the winner for Welling this week who've had positive tests within their squad linked to four postponements for them with all this going on in the county it seems then absolute madness that from Wednesday up to 4,000 supporters could be allowed in some <laughs> stadiums uh we'll discuss the rest later but right now I can't see football in the county restarting on the scheduled dates next month uh, back to Matt's on the pitch, however, and on Saturday, Matt was also at a game, his destination, the Gallagher, where Maidstone were very disappointed to come away with a 1-1 draw against Billericay. He was joined at the stadium by Matt Eastley, and Matt Eastley has kindly said we can use this chat he had with Stone's lonely Charlie Seaman. So here it is. Uh, we feel like we've dropped two points. I mean, obviously, we were 1-0 up. Um, we didn't concede a great goal, so um, obviously we wanted to push on at half-time and score some more goals, but that didn't happen. Um, so the thing for us was obviously to just keep a clean sheet and we didn't do that so we feel like we've dropped two points so there's obviously a bit of upset in the change room but we've got again on Saturday. 
From a personal point of view, um, myself and Matt Gerrard thought you were excellent today on that left flank. Uh, you had a hand in the in the goal. It was your shot that led to the mistake. And uh, were you pleased with your performance today? Uh, yeah, fairly. In the first half, I was pleased. Second half, um, I feel like I could have done better on the ball, but uh, tried to create more chances. Obviously, I missed the chance, which I want to see again. Um, see, obviously, how, how good of a chance it was. Um, but no, I was happy with my first half. Second half, like I said, I could have been a bit better. I just wanted to be a bit better after Tuesday. I didn't think I performed great, so... Uh, I wanted to try and try and push on today and, and have a good performance. So Billericay, they changed their shape a little bit at half time, didn't they? And did, did that cause you more problems? Because uh, Billericay, I mean, the first half, Darth, you're all over them, uh, most of them all over them. And uh, second half, uh, Billericay came more into it. Uh, what was your take on the game? Yeah, like I said, I think um, up until the obviously the goal we conceded, I didn't think they really created anything against us. We had a lot of chances that we didn't put away in the first and second half. Um, and if you do that, you comfortably win the game. So I don't think they caused us too many problems, to be honest. I think we actually dealt with whatever they, whatever they threw at us. Obviously, like I said, we conceded a goal we don't want to concede. But like I said, we go again on uh, Tuesday. Uh, we go on again on Saturday, and um, we try and rectify these mistakes. We don't happen again. And what's your assessment of the season so far? Yeah, we started off well. Um, obviously, we had a couple of results we weren't happy with, such as today, Chelmsford. Um, obviously, we wanted to do better against Dartford, um, but I think we bounced back well against Ebbsfleet. We got a point. We got another point today, which is a partial positive. So we just got to keep going on and try to get on a track of wins and uh, just see where it leads us. You say you look, you want to look at your chance again. It did. It did look a good chance, but it came across pretty pretty rapidly to you. Are you sort of kicking yourself? I mean, you had a great game, but that would have really uh, crowned it, wouldn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it was one 0 at the time, I believe. So that would have put. Um, us in front and then obviously like I said we can build on that and try and not concede any more goals um, from there so like I said obviously I want to see it again and see how good of a chance it was um, so yeah you know and you're online from Doncaster Rovers at the moment so tell, tell us how the uh, how that's come about how that's going uh, yeah um, obviously I spoke to Hakan in the off season once I left Bournemouth and he wanted me here um, obviously I personally wanted to try and set my sights high up in the league as possible. Um, I'm happy I got a good move to Doncaster. Um, and obviously I came on loan here, which I spoke to Akan about and he wanted me here and I wanted to be here. So uh, it kind of fell in place well. Um, and I'm happy I'm here. So just got to keep doing what I'm doing and hopefully put in more good performances. Thanks to Matt Easterly for that. And I guess, Matt, it was definitely two points dropped for the Stones. Yeah, I was very disappointed in Billericay. I thought they were a very poor side. Maidstone were on the front foot all throughout the game. Early goal. Uh, Charlie Seaman, who in the interview, I thought I rated him. He's on loan from Doncaster. Had the beating of um, friend, former friend of the other show, Laurie Wilson. <laughs> um, from that, a poor, poor goal to concede for Billericay. But Maystone should have been one up before they scored their first goal after six minutes. But dominated the game. But, you, you know, we've been to games before, John. When you're watching games and you think, they need a second goal here. They need a second goal. Because they had so many chances. Because Billericay were very, very flat. Um and as long as the game came on when they missed those chances and created those chances, which is a good thing they created chances. So from that, they were missing Rendell and Porter. A different game if maybe a couple of the chances had fallen to them. And you just see a rash decision from the goalkeeper. I thought he came scouring out of his goal, Raven Constable, took out Jake Robinson and Jake Robinson picked himself up and, you know, it wasn't the, the best penalty I've ever seen, to be fair. But he, he put the penalty in the back of the net. So, and again, after that, Plenty of chances for Maystone. So, from a Maystone point of view, yeah, there are definite positives from that performance. The only negative is you've got to score goals. Um, when you're on top, to make it 2-0, I think Billericay would have gone. 
from that point of view. And they got a little bit nervy at the end as well. So, but I was impressed with Maystone. I thought they knocked the ball around well. Some good, good play. Luke, I would be looking forward to see, but he's one of these players who could be brilliant one minute and then not involved the next. But adding Rendell and um, and Porter to that side, because they're pretty solid at the back with the players they've got. I think, yeah, I think Maystone in for a good season. Maybe not as sharp in front of goal as Dartford would be with the Dartford strikers. But yeah, good performance for Maystone. Bill Ricky, pretty poor from the, the, you look on paper what squad they had. So... Um, but, so yeah. do you think if Rendell had been fit on Saturday, they probably would have had that nous up top and, and the ability to get a, a, a second goal? Yeah, I think Olatunde, I think he had a good game up top. Um, they were sort of playing him up, one up. Amlazor again, just an Amlazor who can be frustrating, can beat a man, then do all the magic, then can't control the ball. So it's a bit frustrating for them. Not consistent. But if they had Rendell leading the line, who's got that little bit of now Porter as well, who can find that little bit of space in the box. I think, yeah, they played well with strikers, but if they had those two in, it probably different, you know, adds that little bit of edge to their front line. And, uh, and Seaman, uh, obviously he said there, he, from the interview, it sounded like he almost joined Maidstone permanently in the summer, but then got an offer to join in the league, but got the chance to come and loan here instead. Yeah, it seems to be that he was on, basically, I think he played about 45 minutes before the, lock, the last game before lockdown in March. So, he was on loan at Maidstone before. Wants to. He was at Bournemouth, and he's been around those sort of things. And Bournemouth got a good sort of youth sort of system or academy system. Players going out. Um, was going to come to Maidstone. Wanted to try himself. Went to Doncaster. I think he's on loan till January. He, he's a tricky wide man. I I thought he was a good player. He had caused defences problems. So I don't know how long Maidstone had got him. I think he signed a year's contract at Doncaster. I presume they're keeping an eye on him. Um, I don't know if they'll get him for the season or from what. But clearly Doncaster saw something in him. And Maystone, for Maystone, have got a good good player there, I think. Consistently, he should have scored. He had a great crossing across the penalty air from Sam Corn, and all he had to do was um, put it in the back of the net, and he, he missed it. That was the only thing I think his performance let him down. And at times, I would have thought Maystone, because he was playing wide, sort of left, put him down the middle a bit more, because he had the ability, just, you know, these players who just to drop a shoulder or a quick turn, and he was away. So, um, yeah, I, I thought he was good. And, of course, you've got Ella Kobe and Lule at the back, both good fullbacks for Maidstone. Raven Constable, yeah, the keeper is come in, keeping Chris Lewington out of the side. Yeah, he had a couple of iffy moments and he'll be disappointed with the penalty. But work in progress, Maidstone. Um, again, another side with crowds in, they'll be fully behind them in that game as well. They, they, that will benefit from them. But I think uh, we, we expected them to be in the playoffs at the end of the season. And after seeing that performance, I'd be very, very surprised if Billericchi are because they were terrible. But Maidstone were a lot better. So perhaps Jamie O'Hara shouldn't be on the radio slagging off the England manager every week then if his Billericay side ain't that good. Yeah, he didn't seem that sort of, you know, he left straight after the game because, of, you know, he was, didn't do any of the media and things like that. So, yeah, it's it's very easy for that. He didn't show much from the bench. He's not not a shouting manager. He's just sort of, you know, like Hacking I read it, he kicks every ball and, and involves everything. And he was quite, his demeanour on the bench wasn't um thing from there, Jamie O'Hara. But yeah, he's, He's got a good media gig, so from there. And but Billericay probably should be doing better for what they are. Dartford also in action on Saturday uh, as they stay top of the pile with a two 0 win over Slough Town. Both goals coming from new signing Dixon, who we mentioned earlier in the show, the former Gillingham and Charlton striker, having signed a dual registration from Hornchurch. While the Eastman League side don't have any fixtures, uh, the Darts did lose their top spot on Tuesday night though after Dorking Wanderers' victory over Oxford City. Let's talk about Chris Dixon though, Matt, a top player. Uh, and an interesting conundrum. I also saw Tom Phipp of, of Cray Wanderers in action for 
Umbridge Angels on Saturday. And Craig Boss Tony Russell said on Twitter before that game, I see a lot of Step 3 players really making an impact for Step 2 clubs since the lockdown. It will be very interesting once the time is up and the clubs can call them back. I can see words and friendships being tested to the max in the next few weeks. We've long thought, Matt, that the gap between those divisions isn't huge. And there may be some, indeed, wrangling, shall we say, to be done in, in, in a week or so's time. Yeah, um, I presume the, 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 the likes of Hornchurch and Cray have, could allow these players to go through, I take it. They have to sign something. If, if you're not on a contract, you, can you do this if you're on dual registration? But Chris Dixon, when I saw he's um, banged in that goal, and I thought, Chris, when I saw Dixon, I thought, looked at the spelling, I thought, is that Chris Dixon? He must be, what, 35? But whatever level, he knows where the back of the net is. And to be fair to Steve King, he knows some players, doesn't he? From that point Well, he certainly that, does, yeah. I mean, uh, He's 35, work? Chris Dixon. So yeah. he's uh, he's he'll be 36 in December. Um, yeah, how did you, I presume that Hornchurch? Yeah, quite happy for him to go. Or yeah, it must it must be. And for those clubs like Hornchurch, I'm guessing perhaps uh, they're still paying him d- during lockdown because I, th- I understand if their players are on contracts in a lot of clubs, they are being paid. Uh, that money could now be paid by Dartford, and it keeps him match fit. So, you know, he can play the next three weeks while Hornchurch aren't playing. And then their hope is obviously they'll be able to get him back and, and go for it. Um, but you just don't know what's what's going to happen, do you? No, it's, 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 it's a, it's a, they've got a lot of strikers, Dartford. So interesting to see if, if that, you know, upsets the apple cart with the players they've got. They've brought Pavey in. I see Barham plays every week and I like Barham. The likes of Bakayoko they had, didn't they? Well, they've got R- Romain as well. Obviously, yeah. he's hardly scored so far this season. And then they've also got Sheringham, who, who yeah. pops up with goals every now and then. So, I know, good use of the transfer market as well. So, if, um, Tom Fifth, how did, did he look okay for Tunbridge? He looked short of match fitness. And I think that's, for him, probably the main thing that he wants. He, he lasted about an hour, I think. But you know what you get with him in the centre midfield. He's, he's He was solid. He used the ball well. He got stuck in when he could. Um, and I'm sure that he probably will get better uh, over the time. And and for Cray Wanderers, if they can call him back without any problems, I understand obviously Angels are, are, are a couple of players light, so that's why it makes sense for them to bring him in. Uh, but for, for Cray Wanderers, it's a no-brainer because they'll have a player match fit when I, uh, and perhaps a player who sometimes struggle to get match fitness because he has had a lot of injury problems. No, yeah, yeah, I think it... If the, club, if the other the step three clubs are happy to do this to get players in, as long as you say, yeah, I'm coming back. But I suppose they might look at it. So, so good chance for step three players to move up the pyramid. We have to wait and see if, if after all this, when everybody comes, does come back, if we um, see players moving clubs. Absolutely. This Saturday, as Matt's already said, Angels are home to Hemel Hempstead and he will be there. Dartford go to Hungerford and Maidstone are away to Dulwich Hamlet. Of course, the Welling and Ebbsfleet games are both off. Maidstone then travel to Dorking on Tuesday night while Angels are at home to Concord. And Dartford's trip to Eastbourne, which was scheduled for Tuesday, has sensibly been moved to the following Saturday, as we kind of indicated might happen. Uh, we don't know what's the other games, I suppose, is it? Maidstone and things like that? Or? Well, we don't know. We don't. We don't know. We just don't know. Uh, into the National League, where there was more woe for Dover as they lost two 0 to Kingsland, the previous worst defence in the division, keeping a clean sheet for the second game running and bringing Matt's boys level with them on twenty four goals conceded. Matt, were there any positives that you heard of from that game? Well, breaking news from Dover though, there has been a managerial departure. Has there? Not not Andy Hessenthaler, right? But Darren Hare has gone. Oh, now that is interesting. So Darren Hare, who is Andy Hessenthaler's brother in law was um thing from there so that's um got no i had no inkling that was happening um 
but we'll have to see where it is. So Darren Hare has gone. Any positive? Uh, probably not. No, <laughs> he didn't know. Unfortunately, the young, they brought a young guy in from Hull on Friday and he was sent off on his debut, but apparently he did have a good game. Um, was there any positives? Uh, well, no. So we're not playing this weekend. So hopefully we can regroup. 10-day training. Um, is there disharmony in the camp? It's interesting to see with the departure of Darren Hare. Um, but he said he's resigned for personal reasons, it says on the website that came through. So, But he was a big part of Dover's success, the organisation, um, the coaching's part of the team, a very well-qualified coach. So I don't know if Dover are going to bring in another coach or um, from that point of view. But interesting, um, again, as we mentioned before, I don't think the reason is to get rid of Andy Hessenthaler. Well, I wouldn't get rid of Andy Hessenthaler at this present moment. So maybe... It, decided to, to freshen up the backroom staff to see if they can get out of it but but it might it might be something completely unrelated exactly. to all this and and something yeah. may have, have have led down because we know darren hill has got a lot of interest outside of dover yeah. as well so they may be taking press precedence yeah exactly yeah so um wishing well in the future he's uh very you know as we know him quite well for being on the radio show very um amicable fellow um amiable guy so um good luck with him and i'm sure we'll see him somewhere in a dugout somewhere because he's got a lot to offer Absolutely. Uh, Bromley needed a late, late Chris Bush goal to secure a 2-2 draw at Mainland on Saturday. You've for seen a one... goals? I haven't, no. Oh, a couple of absolute scorchers. Are they? Bromley, yeah, yeah. We'll I will look it. them up after the uh, after the show. Yeah, That's my crack, homework for the week. Bit. Yeah, a couple of really cracking goals on, on, on there. You can watch the whole of the National League highlight show. On, B, on YouTube, on BT, Dover right at the end, mate, so you don't have to wait oh, for that. So, yeah. Oh, good. Um, and then down. on Tuesday night, a 1-0 win for, for Bromley at Altrincham uh, came thanks to James Alabi's goal, and despite playing the final 22 minutes with 10 men after Ben Williamson's red card, uh, Altrincham did also have a man sent off, but that was right at the end. And that win, Matt, has taken Neil Smith's men into the playoff places. A quiet and steady start for Bromley. Yeah, I think their home form has been a little bit patchy, but away they've been good. It's a good point against Maidenhead. Um, probably I'll find out on Tuesday how good they yeah. are. And but uh, cracking goals and Altrincham's a tough place to go. Larby, had he's had his critics uh, before, but he's got a couple of goals now. Yeah, so I think they're going the right. Big game for them against Wrexham this weekend. Wrexham gave Sutton a big stuff, and of course everybody expects Wrexham to fly high now. They've got the uh, Hollywood interest as well, so that's a good game for them. But time to sort the home form out, Bromley against, which will be a good game against Wrexham, I would have thought, because Wrexham yeah. I think they're in the playoffs as well. Good, good Barker for them. James Alabi, of course, has had his critics, not least when he played for Dover Athletic. Uh, not for me. Not, I don't, <laughs> not for me, but um, yeah, yes, yes, yeah. But yeah, he's, he's, he's interesting. But again, when he was with Chester, he scored about 20 goals. So there's a player in there for Alabi. If, and if there's one man who can get that out back out of him, it's uh, Neil Smith. Uh, now, last week we spoke about the excellent charity effort from Ramsgate. Uh, thanks to Pete Goff for the whoop-de-woo, which he did share with us on Twitter. Superman Pete Goff, we hear in a minute. Superman Pete Goff, indeed. Uh, and also for getting in touch with the Rams chairman, James Lawson, who was only too happy to explain all to Matt early this week. So here is the Ramsgate chairman, James Lawson. Uh, difficult time to be a chairman of a, a football club, James, but you've been really giving something back to the community with the running project you've got under, underway at the moment. Yeah, hello, Matt. Thank, thanks for having us on. Um, yeah, definitely. Very difficult time at the moment. We're all desperate to uh, to get back to football. Yeah, and what was the reasoning? You know, talk us about this. I, I know one of the guys, um, Pete Goff, who um, has got kids in the in the, the academy or the youth football. Superman, you've got them. We know him. Superman. Like, there you go. It's, that'll be good. Yeah, he does like running. And he told me basically you're running around about six thousand miles with all your people involved at the club to all the um, Ryman League clubs. Is that correct? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think I saw on Saturday actually. I think Peter himself ran thirty-five miles around the entire perimeter of Fanny. <laughs> incredible effort as an aside, but anyhow. Yeah, so, so basically, we are aiming to cover 6,000 miles over the course of lockdown, a combined total of all the, um, essentially, the youth community going out running. Um, we plotted a route between all 59 or 60 of the, um, of the non-league clubs at our level in um, Step 4. And then before we virtually arrive at them, we're asking them to uh, put forward a charity of their choice, and we donate £50 to. So uh, there's been some really interesting charities. There's been some, some great stuff. What was the thinking behind this? It's, it's an absolutely brilliant idea. Is it because, you know, the issues we've got, um, you know, people like uh, Marcus Rashford, what he's doing, I know you've done the free meals for the kids. Is it just to give something back as well and just, you know, I know it's been a difficult year to get, you know, get everything back to certain people? I think absolutely to give back is, is, is one, but more so we've got 600 kids at the club. And we noticed during the course of the last lockdown that both mentally and physically, there, there was a decline in, in the number of our kids. So we all, a lot of us put our heads together and, and thought, how, how can we ensure that this doesn't happen this time? Um, and basically, just the, the, the key message was to try and keep everybody active. And then essentially, I mean, a, a month is a long time to keep everyone engaged in something. Yeah. So then how could we keep everyone engaged? And we felt the answer was to become part of something bigger, to, to help others. So, so we linked them two things together with, with the exercise and, and, the, uh, and the giving to charity. Yeah, one of the points I think is, you mentioned the mental health there, I think people who run said it really does sort of clear your head and give you a different perspective. And I don't know the number of clubs in it, and I presume kids, it's very easy lockdown to be on their PlayStation, whatever, but this gets them out and about, doesn't it? Yes, I can tell you, it doesn't make me feel too much better about myself. I've done 5K for the first time in a long time, Daddy. I, I did I'm hear that. I did hear you trying else, to get... But... Under 30 minutes, did you do it? Do you know I was out for four seconds? Oh, there you go. Absolutely unbelievable. But there's always next Saturday. <laughs> as happens a lot in football. Yeah, no, but absolutely. The key, I mean, my lad, I think um, my, my lad who's 10 tomorrow, he's done 12 out of the last 14 nights, I think. He's been out just for a, for a 3K or less jog, which is absolutely brilliant for him, and he's thoroughly enjoying it. And, and we go out jogging together, and it's nice just to have a bit of time just having a chat with your lad while you're jogging around the local area. So that's been a huge benefit for us. Do you know how much you're likely to raise out of all this? Do you think? Because I think um, the other clubs you you know you're going to, they've put money in as well. So do you know what the overall fund will be? We'll be over with the other clubs' matching bits. We'll be over ten thousand. That's unbelievable. So there'll be um, six thousand for Aora, which is um, through um, W Martins and, and ALS are, are putting that in. So that's basically a pound for every mile we cover, and then obviously there's the, the fifty quids for, for every uh, for every club we get to. So. Um, Yes, for over 10,000 quid, which is, which is brilliant. Oh, it's brilliant in these times. You mentioned there, I know you've got quite a lot of clubs behind it. Ramsgate, you, before there were, um, you had a lot of uh, players come into the first team who were local, and you're trying to do that now. You've got about 60 clubs involved in your youth facilities. Haven't you? There's been a merger recently. Yeah, so we merged with Funny Colts, um, and basically we were very similar sizes. They were about 30 teams, we were about 25. So now there's 54 teams at the, um, at the club um, and, and over 600 kids playing regularly. So what we're really becoming more about now is we're just about to launch this RFC, Ramsgate Fitness Community, as in more than just a football club. Because mm. what we've noticed really, when you, when you become vast like this, you are looking at after the health and mental well-being of, of so many people. And we kind of realised that we're bigger than just a football club. We're, we're a community now. So we're really going uh, to run with this RFC thing in the near future. How important is it that Ramsgate are a community club? 
Well, it's vital. I think it's actually what we are. We're, we're, we're certainly more a community club than a football club. We're hoping to get the AstroTurf um, on Southwood in a, in middle of next year. And that will allow us to do so many partnership schemes with local nurseries, local schools. We can have school games on there. Um, kids can come and do their PE on there. We can have um, parent and baby groups on there. So to really open ourselves up to the community and become become the hub of the, of Sanit and the Ramsgate, as it were. That's fantastic. Oh, matters on the field. Again, we're talking before the announcement later today, what's going to happen. You know, I live in Thanet, so I know how high it is around here. Um, the league is supposed to be coming back, well, arguably could be the 5th, I think maybe even the 12th or the 19th now. Have you got any inkling if you'll be starting again? Or, and there's a point that you made earlier, that, uh, to be off the record, that will there be allowed fans back in? Because I presume that's crucial for you at the end of it. Again, everything that we're saying in terms of becoming a, a community club, uh, a good example is of, I think we've had about 230 people running for us regularly. Mm. Uh, many of them are through the view system. But the interesting thing is, m- a lot of them have never watched a game of non-league football. And, and critical to us is, if we're going to be able to play, is engaging these new people into the non-league game. Mm. So there's absolutely no point in us, one from a financial point of view, but two as a community club, go, um, going back to football without allowing the community in. So, um, so it, it really is important that spectators are allowed back in. If, if if the league starts and you can, well, if they said you can start but no spectators, where does that leave you? Would you wouldn't want to start? Uh, I'll go as far as to say as we wouldn't want to start. No, both one financially, match day revenue is important to us, but two. What really is the point in, in football if, if you can't all enjoy it together? Mm. If, if you can't but, uh, find it as a way of engaging the community? The, um, we're due to play Sittingbourne, I believe, on the 28th of December. Mm. And we're hoping that that can be a, uh, a celebration of, of the great Ram run. We'll get people in there like Peter who put in huge amounts of miles and, 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 and really celebrate together what, we, what we've achieved through lockdown. And, um, and, and really, it would be a far greater day on the 28th if we could do that rather than just two step four clubs playing against each other. Mm. So, um, so it is absolutely critical if, if we are to become a, a genuine community club. Brilliant. Oh, on the field, I think, again, you've only played six league games. It's been a long old season so far and of various things. How do you feel it's going on the field? Yeah, but we're moving in the right direction. I mean, Matt's been with us nearly a year now, but I don't actually know the amount of games he's... Uh, He's actually overseen for us, but it can't be many at all with, with all the lockdowns we've had. But, um, but no, the team it really seems to be gelling. I mean, the first teamers have been out running most days. They've been uploading their videos, running with their family. So they're all really becoming part of it as well. So, uh, yeah, it just be nice to start um, to see them on the pitch again. A brilliant effort for, from the Rams, Matt, and they're doing wonders for the charities, but also for their profile, because it's certainly getting them out and about, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's really, really good. Um, and he said it's more than a football club. Or didn't he say on that sort of thing about the community, getting people out, getting the kids out, making sure that they've still got that little bit of focus in lockdown and the mileage they've done, raising £12,000. And I think um, I think Ramsgate, uh, community club of the year, they could be heading for that. But that's what that's all it's all about, getting all the kids involved and getting people involved and hopefully... You know, they can get play, uh, supporters back in to celebrate, as he said in that game, I think at the end of Sitting Ball in December, of how they're getting in. But uh, and again, I think you pointed on that, you know, a lot of people involved in the club not necessarily have ever seen a game of football or if they've got kids in the in the youth system and things like that, might never been to a game of football at this level before. And that's what they want to try and get into and, 
helping people out and doing things like that is only going to benefit them. So, you know, a round of applause for Ramsgate of what they're doing. It's very easy not to to worry about yourself and these sort of things, but traveling around and the running that people like Superman Pete has done. Um, I'll have to make sure he's got a little Superman curl when I see him again on the old, from that. But no, I think it's brilliant. Really, really good. And, uh, and I think he, he came across really well in that interview of what he's trying to achieve, James. So his dad was the chairman when they you know, nearly got into the conference south. So, and I think, it, I think it's little small steps, get the community back, get the people of Ramsgate behind the team and, and be a real community, a hub that people want to enjoy every week. Yeah, exactly. And that is one thing that Ramsgate have always done really well. Try to get the the local people on side and get them involved. And you do get that feel when you go to Southwood. Uh, It's been a few years since I've been down there, but you do get a a really warm feeling from there. Probably across the county, one of the clubs that I would go to and and you get that sort of family atmosphere and, and that really sense of enjoyment of it all. And the fact that they're all coming together and all those youth teams that they've got. I just think it's fantastic and, and really well done to James and, and really well done to everybody at Ramsgate who's been involved in that run. Yeah, I didn't know as well. They mentioned about 3G as well. I don't know if that's going to be the main pitch as well, but 3G and that, as we know with Mayfair, that opens up so many windows and a bit like Margate as well. So many windows, what they can do with the youth team, just bringing everything together. So fair play to Ramsgate. And, you know, look, we, we discussed at the end point there how they're getting on for the pitch and they've only played six league games, haven't they? So it's... It's, it's, a real, it's a lot, uh, very early days. So you think, oh, they had a good start to the season. You think it tailed off, but still a long way to go. So, um, and I know Matt Longhurst has done a really good job there. You know, hasn't played many, hasn't been manager of many games as mentioned, but I think he's really got involved as well with the community, which is fantastic to see. Yeah, I did just want to say as well about James Lawson saying, oh, well, I was open to do it in 30 minutes. Do you, uh, do you know what, James? I've been trying to do a 30-minute 5K for about five years and I've still not managed it. So, you know, uh, don't, don't still running, be too upset you? about your four seconds. Yeah, yeah, I've been out running a couple of times this week, um, but I'm a bit out of shape at the minute. It's, but I haven't I'd, I haven't run for, I've only run about, I had about four or five weeks off after the crash. So I'm just trying to build myself back up a bit now. And obviously, that's still, again, that, that hasn't come back since March, is it? No. Not at all. I did. I did a part run on the last day uh, that there was one back in March, and there hasn't been one since. And I think it's going to be a long time uh, before they get back. That's a shame, isn't it? Really. It really is. And actually, that's where we're heading next. Let's talk about where we currently stand with all of this COVID stuff. Uh, this lockdown curfew, whatever, uh, lends on Wednesday. And then it's all systems go, apparently, despite more than 600 deaths being recorded yesterday. Uh, the relaxation means that sport will be allowed to resume in all tiers. But supporters will not be permitted if any area goes into tier three. The word on the street is that tiers will be allocated by county, with the infection rate currently being very high in a couple of areas of Kent. It therefore seems likely that it will be announced on Thursday that the whole county will be in tier three. I've put a few feelers out and the indication I'm getting is that if the county is put into tier three, it's very unlikely that any non-elite football will take place. Uh, There is also the issue of a number of scaffold teams being forced straight into FA Cup action on Saturday, the 5th of December, away from home. Now, as I say, we don't know yet what tier anywhere is going to be. So, frankly, it's all up in the air. To be honest, I am staggered that we're even talking about restarting football when the numbers are as they are. And, of course, this week's figures include a legend at Hollands and Blair Football Club of the Scaffold, who are mourning the loss of Lawrence Plummer described by the club as our leader and great friend, adding there will be many who would have had their lives touched by this special man and always for the better. He was a moral guide and a compass for so many of you reading this, and he paved the way for many to better themselves, his love of football and his love of being around friends. Hollands and Blair 
FC was and always will be Lawrence Plummer and his legacy shines bright. Now there's a tribute page to Lawrence on the Skeffel website, which is absolutely amazing. And I really recommend that you seek that out and have a read. Uh, and that news really brings it all home. And although I've always been a lockdown skeptic on this show right now, I don't want things to go back to any sort of normality with football back on while the numbers are so high. Uh, and Matt, you live in one of the hotspot areas. What are your thoughts on all of this? It amazes me that when they were people jumping up for joy, you get 4,000 or 2,000 people in. So I'm going to a game on Tuesday against Dover against Maiden, which will be closed behind closed doors. But arguably that game three days later or a day later could be played in front of 1,500, 2,000 people. Doesn't make any sense, does it? <laughs> no. Absolutely crazy. So I don't really know. I don't again where we are in in Thanet is quite one of the high I presume we'll go tier three but it'll be absolute madness if Thanet stays in tier three and the likes of Canterbury or Deal are in tier two or tier one because everybody will just go there for those places to eat out and drink out so it it just 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 beggars belief what you're saying is that even if if Kent goes in tier three the Ryman League etc won't start again or the scaffold won't start or behind closed doors. Is that what you... I don't think that they will play behind closed doors, any of those uh, any of those teams in Kent. So I would imagine if we're in tier three, um, then the games in the Isthmian League and the scaffold will be called off. I mean, I put I I obviously have contacts um, because of this. And, and uh, one of my contacts, I said to them, what happens if say Swales in tier three, which is a nailed on Swale yeah. will be in tier three because it is the, the hotspot of the whole country. Um, and I suggested to someone, well, what would happen if they were just in tier three and the rest of the county was in tier two? And the indication I was given was that Sheppey matches would have to be off, but anyone else could play. And it's just going to make this season even more lopsided. And, and, and I just can't see how, how, this even can, if how we can restart. Somewhere tier one, they couldn't play. That's the question, isn't it? That's the. But then people, Sheppy fans, will think they've got every right to go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean. When if if Dover play Chesterfield on week Saturday, if Dover's in tier two, I presume you'll get two hundred Chesterfield fans turn up because they've seen their side for ages. And is that right? Probably not. Exactly. So it's, yeah, uh... it's, it's it's yeah. I was shocked when they said that. 4,000 people or if you're in tier one, tier two um, from there. So uh, if Kent, if Kent have got different tiers, that's a mockery because people will just, you go to the places that haven't got the, t- the thing so they can exactly. enjoy their night out. So but it, we'll, it doesn't I, make any sense. Anyways, do we know? Is gonna be- I think Thursday is supposed to, when they're going to announce the, um, the, the tiers for everybody. And then I would imagine there'll be announcements from there. Um, the scaffold banged out their fixtures for the rest of December. Uh, over the weekend, which was uh, some may say was quite ambitious. There are games um, put in for Boxing Day, including the absolute blockbuster uh, between Chatham Town and Sheppey United. And I did see some some people on Facebook saying, well, why is that game being played when there might be a maximum of 300? Well, they can't leave both Chatham Sheppey games until the end of the season. They've got to play it at some point. And unfortunately, that's that, that's the way it is at the moment. Uh, well, a shame if, for if everyone. That's in tier t- if if Going back again, if Chatham's in tier two, could they have up to two thousand people though? Again, from now on, it's uh, either that or the amount or, or a percentage of your capacity. Yeah, and so, socially so you, distanced. So Chatham's game 
if it could have more, they can have more than the 300 and the 600 of these clubs now, technically, I presume. Depending on the capacity of their stadium, yeah. Yeah. So that can go and get, yeah. Uh, but obviously, Chatham against Sheppey on uh, on Boxing Day would fall into the uh, the Christmas free for all uh, that Boris Johnson insists we're allowed to have. So I'd imagine eight thousand will be com- permitted uh, to go into that game uh, on that date. Enough of that, anyway. Uh, it's really making. But, but, but uh, back for you though, you if you're in tiers one and two, can you open your business up? We can, yeah. Um, but um, but it's all about where people. Where people come from, you know, I don't know if I'd feel particularly confident having people coming from Swale to stay here, even if we're in tier three, even if we're in tier one, sorry, because I don't understand how it does say you're not supposed to travel overnight. But how can I differentiate if someone books through one of the websites that we use? I don't even know where they're from, so it's an impossible situation for us. I, as I say, I've always been a skeptic of all this, and I think that we've been dealt a really rough hand. But at the moment, if you gave me the choice of reopening next week or staying shut, I'd stay shut. Interesting. Really but if we're open, we've got to be open. So um, time will tell what happens with that. But the rumour is we're going into tier three down here in East Sussex as well. So it may not, it may be taken out of our hands. Um, we shall it's see. It's all going to kick off with people with this, isn't it? Though? Oh, it's- yeah. The, the people that have caused these problems, the ones who won't socially distance, won't wear masks, are going to be the first ones moaning. And uh, it's your fault, lads. So, uh, well, exactly. Yes, it's not just men who are who are selfish. I mean, I see people walking down the street wearing masks that don't even cover their nose. And it's like, well, what's the point? If you're going to wear a mask, you don't have to wear a mask in the open air anyway. So please don't. But also, if you're going to wear it, wear it properly. I did see a guy in um, when I was at Tesco's the other day, a small one in Broadstairs, and a guy wasn't wearing a mask. And this elderly gentleman said, "Where's your mask?" And he said, "Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, whatever, he's exempt from it all. Um, I can show you the uh, uh, my note which is in the car." And, and the bloke said, "Well, you should wear it. You might not want to die. You might want to die, but I don't." And he walked off. Yeah, so, this is a problem. I mean, I'm again, I'm not a big. I don't believe in in necessary. I don't think the masks are doing that much of a of a good, because apparently 18% of the people who just caught it have, have been in supermarkets where people are by and large wearing masks. But if it's the rules, it's the rules. You've got to obey the rules, um, and that's that's the problem with this country. People think they're above the law, um, but there you go. Uh, what else is going on? Get cheer me up, Matt. Come on, we, we're nearly oh, the watched, end of the show. Uh, I've watched the new program. It was out last year. Guilt. It's a Scottish program. All right. Worth watching an iPlayer. Um, very uh, sort of a black comedy. Really enjoyed that. Um, what else is nothing sort of thing? Christmas trees up. Oh, how did that good. go? Yeah, came back and um, they'd done a job, to be fair. A lot <laughs> better than that I would have done. So, um, yeah, Hayley's trying to plan to, when to put ours up, but unfortunately I'm here. So, uh, you know, she doesn't really want me in and around the place uh, when she's doing it because I would just get in the way. So, yeah, so the Christmas trees up. Um, yeah, it's just. Just plodding along, mate, and see what thing. I am going to Maidenhead next week, so the last game that probably be for well, the last game that without supporters, maybe. So um, we will we will go from there. Um, but yeah, I think otherwise just plodding along, regardless, mate. There's nothing um, to worry about here. A month till Christmas as it is now. Yeah. Um, again, I, I've got to make decisions what I'm going to do for Christmas, but um, that the openness of opening that Christmas period does seem a little bit strange to me. And um, with various health reasons, that might not be, um, might be that's the problem, isn't it? It's it's confusing. It's confusing people because you can have, what is it? Three households. So does that mean you can see your, your mum and dad and Sarah's parents, but you can't see your sister. 
that's basically that seems to be yeah yes and so. then it would also be i suppose that your mum and dad then couldn't see your sister either if you saw oh, it's, it's stupid yeah yeah so it, it may be that, that christmas is different this year um and hopefully when this is all over and we've got all the vaccine which seems to be going well that we then um can have a proper christmas then in in april may time so um from there yeah, it does seem but you know people are whatever the government say people are going to do the opposite aren't they so certain people will but <laughs> my, my only concern is that january and february which will be cold miserable months will could be even more miserable if we're in lockdown again because it spiked so and i don't know what the government would say to that because surely the, even some so-called experts um, have said that this could be an issue. Well, funny enough, I'm just on a on a leading newspaper website at the moment, uh, and the person from Sage who has warned that the Promises Three Home Christmas Bubbles plan risks snatching defeat from the jaws of victory by sparking a third wave as he urges families to delay get-togethers until Easter he's described as a scrooge so obviously <laughs> the, the, the mindset is you know i mean i certainly haven't seen a christmas carol for a while but i definitely remember that there wasn't one say it wasn't a scrooge trying to kill everybody yeah. um but there you go right, okay. yeah now this is the thing yeah yeah if people get their news from um certain newspapers then, then we have got problems isn't that so absolutely uh, there you go get your news from uh, the kentonley podcast there you go Exactly. Yeah, we are a reliable source. There's no fake news here. Yeah. Um, none it's at all. Especially going to tier one. If you said they're all going to tier three, we said they're going to tier three. So yeah. So well, I'll, I'll wait. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. No, no. Yeah, well, I'll be shocked if we're not tier three here. Yeah, we're going through the roof, but it, apparently it is going down. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Thank you everybody for listening to this week's show. Don't forget you can find us on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast and on Facebook. Just search for Kent Only Podcast. Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. I am at John Phipps 81. There's no H in John and my surname is P-H-I-P-P-S. I haven't done that for a while. People may have forgotten how to spell it. Um, you at the moment, Matt, are undertaking something for next week's show. You had a little a present in the post, didn't you? Yeah, I'd, I'd, um, somebody, uh, Mike, Mike Float, I think his name was. Sorry, I haven't got the book in front of me. It's, it sent us a book about Kent Non-League Ground. So, um, through the ages so i've had a it's a lovely book lovely great photos in it so i've had a, a quick skim through looking at my boys of course um on that but there's some really ones so i'm gonna have a read through the book and i'll give a book review next week but if, if you're into Kent football grounds um old and new and the history of them all it's a really good book and very nicely put together so we'll, we'll do a few words on that next week after i get back from maidenhead because the first half hour will be talking about maidenhead nil day with five mate won't it no that's fake news. <laughs> I tell you what, Matt. If Dover win five nil on Tuesday, uh, I'm just trying to think of something that I can do that's not too ridiculous, um, just in case because yeah. stranger things have happened. Um, I will. I will donate twenty five pounds to a charity of your choosing if Dover win five nil next week. No worries, mate. I'll be urging them on with five minutes to go. Come on, boys, make it five for that charity. Yeah, we're going to go there. New focus, new new zone. So um, okay, I think as a, on the flip side, if Maidenhead win five nil, you should also donate twenty five quid to a charity. My choice. That's correct. I will do that. There we go. Okay, yeah. good stuff. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks to all of our guests uh, for joining us this week. And congratulations again to everybody at Ramsgate for your excellent efforts on the Rams run. Uh, and, of course, um, do just want to say as well, um, thoughts with Lawrence Plummer's family, as we mentioned earlier, on a real legend of uh, local football. Um, so I hope you're doing as best as you can at, at these horrible times. Uh, but thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will speak to you all next week on the Kent Only podcast. If I put a pound on Maidenhead to win 5-0, I probably won't need to pay that money, would I? Oh, I'll think about that.